Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Markless coming at you with another episode of the Primary Care Pod. Before we start in today, again, we're getting to the primary care pod at gmail.com inbox. That's where you can send me any articles, any uh, news stories, any jokes you want me to read. Uh, today's episode is again sponsored by our friends at Panacea Financial. Uh, Panacea Financial is a bank built for doctors by doctors. They're a financial services company for healthcare providers who understand your banking needs because they've been through it before. Their doctor co founders noticed a theme during their training and practice that that banks didn't understand the financial needs of doctors, so they decided to fix it. That's why Panacea Financial offers doctors and doctors in training the services they deserve that is accessible no matter where they are in their careers. At Panacea Financial, their mission is to make doctors' lives easier by trusting doctors as borrowers, not based on credit scores or debt amounts. They defend their customers' time, being available around the clock to be there when customers need them, not just 9 to 5. And finally, they want to enhance your financial freedom by providing personalized banking experiences specifically for physicians and other healthcare providers. Panacea Financial can help you overcome the financial stress of training and practice. So check them out today at panaceafinancial.com. That's P-A-N-A-C-E-A financial.com. And tell them Dr. List sent you from the Primary Care Pod. Um, Personal note, they've been great to work with, super responsive, um, an awesome group to work with. Uh, I can't recommend them enough. Um, Panacea Financial is a division of Primus Bank member FDIC. So thanks again, guys, for sponsoring the Primary Care Pod. Now, even with the even with the sponsorship, we're not going to get away from our joke telling. Um, today's joke of the day from the primarycarepod.gmail.com inbox uh, comes from a listener, and it's actually very topical to our journal article for today. A man went to his doctor for some genetic testing. The doctor told the man that his results showed that his DNA was actually backwards. So the patient asked, and? That's terrible. All right, let's start the podcast. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the podcast, pod girls, pod people. It's your pod doc, Dr. Mark List, coming at you today with another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. Um, Today, we are talking about um, something. I actually recorded a very similar uh, podcast episode earlier last year, um, almost 18 months ago, 13 months ago, something like that on the same topic. And it was because I was actually going to be involved in this research paper. Um, our organization was going to be one of the trial sites. Um, I was not going to be the uh, primary investigator uh, at our location. Uh, thankfully, one of our partners uh, who had actually more research experience than I did was going to step in and be primary investigator. But this was a study that I was very interested in. Um, I was very uh, uh, excited to see it and, and to be involved in it. And it didn't work out, um, and I'm not going to get into the details. And there's probably some things I can't talk about um, regarding, I don't know, the product. Um, I don't know if it's the fine details or things I can talk about or not talk about. Um, but the paper is actually not yet published. So again, we're going to have to remember that this is not peer-reviewed at this point. This actually came from a meeting um, of, uh, and so this is actually the Journal of Oncology, but this was a 
proffered paper session, Basic Science and Translational Research, uh, Annals of Oncology 2022. And um, there were multiple people, uh, authors on this uh, trial, and uh, the date of the presentation was September 11th, so this last Sunday. And the topic is specifically uh, a prospective study of a multi-cancer early detection blood test. So this is the holy grail, right? This is what all of, I, I, I mean, I'm sure that you guys have had patients ask you, they come in for a physical and they say, doc, just, I want the test that checks me for cancer. You know, uh, yeah, doc, just do that one that just checks for cancer, just check that one. And then you have to have a long conversation about, do you mean the PSA? What, I mean, what are you talking about with this? Um, but this is actually a plasma test, a, a blood test that checks for all cancers. And, and how this functionality works is, uh, how, this, how, this, how these studies work, is free DNA circulating around the bloodstream uh, called circulating cell-free DNA, SF uh, in small letters, DNA, cell-free DNA. It is present in the bloodstream when you have cell death, right? Cell death, um, you have apoptosis, you have destruction of cells, and these cells then leak these, this DNA, and then you can tell the methylation pattern of this circulating cell-free DNA, and you can compare what normal methylation patterns look like in healthy people of different uh, tissue, and then you can use this blood test to then look for cancerous DNA based on their methylation patterns. And the I will just tell you that, um, I don't know, how, again, how much I can say. Um, we had gone all the way up uh, to the study. Uh, I had done all the, uh, the background research uh, and IRB approval type stuff. Um, I had done my required training from a federal standpoint um, to, to be approved for the study. And then my organization pulled out last minute for some valid uh, concerns. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Because um, I think that the same concerns our organization had were the same that you'll have when this becomes a, a live test on the market. And so this company, um, this was this was known as a kind of uh, Grail is, I believe, the company name. Uh, yes, Grail Inc. And this test, this cell, this methylation cell-free DNA multi-cancer early detection test, MCED test, um, is based on Early, sig early data, um, and this, this presentation was based on early data from the Pathfinder study. And the Pathfinder study um, was uh, published in uh, Cancer in, in a Journal of Cancers um, in July of 2021, this Pathfinder study, and basically validated the fact that um, in 6,000 participants, um, they could detect cancer in, in patients. Um, and long story short, I mean, we're not gonna dig into the Pathfinder study, but basically, this is a test, and, and this, um, this article, this presentation that they did, um, is looking at the general population. Can you use this as a screen in the general population? If you just ask healthy volunteers at their physicals, are you interested in getting a blood test that can screen for all cancers, enrolling them, and then following up with them, what is the specificity and sensitivity of the test? Is it a good test? Is it a bad test? How accurate is it? And 
again, this is, we're gonna get into the nuts and bolts after the um, results here. But so in these 6,000 plus volunteers uh, that were in the study, um, they, they detected cancer using this test in 1.4% of volunteers. Okay, so 92 out of 6,621. So 1.4% of people randomly just had cancer in the study. Um, and these were all patients older than age 50 and they could have cancer risk factors. They could have no cancer risk factors. Uh, it was just basically an opt-in, um, uh, you know, uh, voluntary basis. Now, when you had a positive test, cancer was confirmed in 35 out of those 92 cases. So a positive predictive value of 38%. Okay. The specificity in those, uh, in those patients uh, that had a negative test was 99.1, right? So um, basically the negative predictive value on this was 99%, okay? Uh, the negative predictive value, 99%, specificity was 91%. The positive predictive value only being 38% is really what we're gonna focus on today. And it is really good for patients to get this blood test right? And have a negative test. That is really reassuring to the patients, right? That you don't have an advanced cancer, that you don't have this methylated, you know, cell-free DNA that's, that's you know, uh, uh, labeled or, or coming from an active tumor. And so therefore we don't need to worry about, uh, you know, cancer. Again, very, very good to see a negative predictive value of basically 99%, 98.5% if we do the math. Um, but the bigger thing and, and probably my biggest, um, our organization and my personal biggest gripe with this study shows that 38% positive predictive value because having a patient voluntarily sign up and say, I'm worried, doc, give me the cancer test. And 60% of the time, when the patient has a positive test, they are not gonna have cancer. Only, you know, 40% if we're rounding up, have a cancer. But what does that mean for the patient? So the test itself gives you an idea of what the methylation pattern looks like. So whether it's primary adeno from X, Y, or Z organ, um, Again, I don't know how much behind the scenes or, or small detail I can I can give with this based on the specificity and sensitivity based on the uh, grades and stages of cancers and the types of cancers and how good it is for each specific type of cancer. I'm not going to get into those granular details. I don't know if the information I looked at when we were getting into the study was privileged or not, so I'll stay away from that. Um, but this is a this is a validated test. It's a good test. But that positive predictive value being so low is concerning to me because what those patients, those 1.4% of people who volunteered for the study have to do next is go through invasive testing, invasive procedures oftentimes, sometimes multiple images, sometimes multiple other screening tests or, or follow-up tests. And sometimes the resolution took a long time. So in the false positive cases, the average resolution before the the staff the doctor the the primary investigators definitively said okay this is not a cancer was 162 days that's the 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 median days okay so 
That's more than five and a half months where patients were waiting and working up and stressing themselves half to death and worrying their family. And the other piece of this is that as of right now, there's no guarantee that insurance companies are going to look at this as a validated good test. And so having patients have to pay out of pocket for all these invasive tests and procedures is a real possibility. There was no guarantee that, um, and, and the study did not, the, the, the company did not agree to pay for that additional testing for the cancer workup. Again, I think I can be frank on that. I don't think that's anything, um, trademark secrets. I don't think I'm gonna get sued for that or anything. Um, but that was my, that was our biggest concern. That was my biggest concern was if we do this and a patient has a positive test, they're going to be forced to spend, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in workup for a cancer that might not be there, might not be real, might be a false positive. And in fact, the majority of cases would be a false positive. Again, um, I I don't want to, I don't want to overstate that because for 98.4% of people, 98, 98.6% of people, they didn't have a positive test, right? They had a they had a negative test, and so again with the negative predictive value, that's great news, right? That's 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 really reassuring for a lot of patients, and gives a lot of peace of mind for those people that are interested. And again, these were volunteers um, who signed up, so they, they obviously had some interest in this. But that positive predictive value is the issue. And again, we, we this isn't unique. I'm not going to pick on this cell free methylated DNA test. The same thing happens with you know, PSA testing, right? Uh, mammograms, positive predictive values are not that super high with those tests. You know, uh, an elevated a PSA above four has a positive predictive value around 40%, right? Um, you know, and when it comes to mammography, think about all the false positive mammos that then lead to unnecessary biopsies, or I shouldn't say unnecessary biopsies, but biopsies that you know, just show normal tissue, et cetera, more imaging studies. So we deal with this with our current cancer screens right now. And so I don't want you to get the false impression that this is a bad test. In fact, I think this will be a very good test for very specific patients and patient populations that are either highest risk for cancer or are just nervous about cancer. Um, I don't know if insurance will ever pay for this. I don't know how how economically feasible this will be and whether this will be something routinely that we're doing in our practice. But I wanted, uh, this was this idea of this holy grail test, right? This idea that there's going to be a blood test that can screen for all cancers has been something that we have kind of heard promised or heard researchers discussing, you know, for decades. And this is our first step, our first real tangible test that performs really well and is well validated. And it's a good test. But it has a lot of flaws. Uh, the uh, the news uh, reports, the the popular news report. There's a researcher on this that said um, it's not ready for it's not ready for the big stage yet. But this is a good step in the right direction, and I agree with that. Right? I think it's good that we have more data. I think it's good that we see how it performs in a quote you know real world unquote scenario um, with healthy volunteers how this would look for our patient populations. But guys, this is coming. These tests are coming. These methylated cell-free DNA tests are coming. The cancer screens are coming. And the big news that we need to be aware of as physicians is we're going to have to have that conversation about what would a positive test mean for you, the patient, how aggressive are going to be working this up, how what, what are the lengths that we're going to have to go 
because the negative tests are great, right? 98 negative, negative predictive value of 98 plus percent, 99% almost. But that positive predictive value only being 40%, it's going to require some education and some um, coaching and some handholding with our patients about what that means. Um, hopefully this was a unique look forward uh, about a future piece of technology that you and I will absolutely um, be doing in the next 10 years in our practice. Um, 100% this will be an orderable test just like we're doing with the um, Cologuard testing and some of the other cancer DNA testing that we're doing now. I, I can almost guarantee you that uh, this will be in market within five to 10 years for sure. Um, I, I guess I can't guarantee that, but I would be very, very anticipating that to happen. This is a test that patients are gonna ask for and it has clinical value. This is actually a good clinical test. It just has significant limitations and requires some care when ordering just like every other test we do. So again, hopefully this was a good uh, a primer for you. Get this in your brain before it comes down the road. Um, again, I wish my name would have been on this study, but I understand why it wasn't. Um, uh, and there's lots of major concerns with this type of study. So um, again, hopefully this is something that you, we hear more about and hear better news. And maybe there's a way that they can modify the test slightly to increase the positive predictive value by changing some of the cutoffs. I don't know how that uh, works on the back end. I'm not smart enough to know that, but hopefully this has uh, been a good primer for you. This has been Dr. Markless with the Primary Care Podcast, reminding you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great week. God bless.